0: Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to
1: friends from across the world. Hello, this is Chris. And Jim. And we want to say Happy New Year.
2: 2019.
1: This is technically the second year of the Endurance Horse podcast. Even Woo! yeah, even though we started in March, we're almost there. So this is episode 14 and it's the first episode of the year.
2: And I'd like to thank you everybody for the great 2018 episodes and I'm looking so forward to seeing what the new year has to bring.
1: I'm super excited to hear about the 4-H'ers. There's going to be two 4-H'ers in this episode with a club in Florida. That is a club that's completely dedicated to endurance riding, I think that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, you got people from all over and all skill levels, that's great.
1: It's awesome, they sound like a maybe we could spark something where people didn't think about, hey, it's not just barrel racing and all that in 4-H, maybe they could start some endurance in their local 4-H group.
2: Yeah, but I might have to have a word with the ride and tie people, cause now you want me to do a ride and tie Mm.
1: Well you said you would, so can we just first say what 4-H is because I did already talk to Jenny about it online and she didn't know what it was. Um, New Zealand doesn't have 4-H so in the United States 4-H is a local club that is largely agricultural but it doesn't have to be. The 4-Hers usually show just a variety of things. I mean, what are some of the things you've seen, besides animals, that they are involved in?
2: Oh, Everything from bunnies to horses, but uh, besides animals, they have photography, they have crafts building, they have uh, model building. That covers pretty much everything.
1: Yeah, Legos, sewing, scrapbooking, everything. So 4-H is basically for kids 18 and under. Pretty sure it's just in the United States, but it might be in other places. So it's just a youth club. And uh, our son Harlan is in it. We have a great leader over here who's our next-door neighbor. And Harlan does the dog project, which you might hear about sometimes, where he shows his dog. And he is in the photography project and kind of in the horse project a little bit with some volunteering there. But anyways, on to episode 14.
2: Looking forward to it.
1: Talk to you on the other side. Bye. Bye.
3: Hi all, Jenny Chandler here, New Year's Eve in New Zealand. As I mentioned in my last podcast about Lace, trying to catch you up on what happened last season and cover the first half of this season and doing it horse by horse. So now we'll talk about Tigger. Tigger is my Anglo, he's been my main horse when Lace has been away having babies and he's pretty good. He's also pretty special. He has got a larger than usual self-destruct button. Um, so he, when he's fit, you have to be really careful because he's just a bit of a liability. Just over a year ago, we were halfway through our previous season. We'd been building up to the 120k ride at Curitau. Beautiful course, and he was fit and ready to go. The season hadn't gone entirely to plan, but he had come up okay and his previous 80k ride had been slow but a good one um, on quite a tough course. So I was pretty happy with where, where he was at. The ride was going well, um, the loop's in the dark, our long rides in New Zealand we tend to start in the dark and then we all just ride around quietly together, not getting lost, looking after our horses, keeping safe on the, in the dark. So we'd kind of just tootled along for a couple of loops Tigger and I were in front, but, you know, we hadn't been going fast. And then on the third loop, we were setting out at a good clip, um, probably a good 20 minutes to half an hour in the lead, and suddenly there was a ping on my right stirrup went soft. and I thought the stirrup itself, it's one of those cage stirrups with the the padding, the endurance stirrups. I thought maybe a bolt had come undone or something. But the stirrup was OK, and it was actually the saddle bar that had broken the actual stirrup bar on the saddle I was only about three or four k's from base and I thought for a moment well do I go back turn around and go back try to find another saddle or do I try and rig something up and keep going I still had most of that loop to go which was probably about 28 k's I think Um, another loop after that of only 12 k's I decided to try and rig something up so i took his breastplate apart and jury rigged a loop under the stirrup leather on the other side and sort of around the pommel over the seat and hung my stirrup on that it wasn't very comfortable the skirt um, on the left hand side the skirt was folded up underneath my thigh that was pretty uncomfortable but it seemed to work and after a few adjustments including his girth because of course now i didn't have a breastplate tightened his girth a couple a hole and we were away, but we'd lost a good 10 to 15 minutes. Towards the end of that loop, another horse caught me up, and it was it was our, a friend um, from Australia riding another friend's horse, and she's very competitive, so it was nice to ride with her. She kind of took me on, went past, I went with her, she came back and we just trucked around the rest of that loop together. Tigger vetted first, I was a couple of minutes ahead of her, heading out on the last loop, 12 kilometres. And as you do in this situation, I mean, I wasn't particularly fussed if I won or came second, didn't really care that much. But, you know, it's all for show, so you canter off at a good pace, cross the, out of the base and, and away. And then I stopped at a trough, see if he wanted a drink, because I'd given him um, a bit of electrolytes just before going out. And at that point, Jolene came charging past on red. Tigger didn't want to drink and I thought, well do I just let her go or do I follow her? Now because she's such an experienced rider, I thought, well, I'll give it a crack for a while because I might learn stuff. Already I'd noticed that she was quite tactical in the way she was riding. And I thought, well, you know, it's an opportunity to learn something and have a bit of fun while we're doing it. So Tigger and off and I were off in high pursuit, going a good three-quarter pace over rolling country. Great fun, we caught her up for that most of that twelve k loop. We were at it, going flat out. i've never done a loop that fast, mostly in New Zealand. The courses really aren't set up for going fast, so if you do a loop at twenty k an hour, that is fast for New Zealand. I know it's not fast by by some standards, um, but that is a fast pace for us with about three ks from home. um I was in the lead. I slowed up, she came up alongside me, and I said, "Well, that was fun." Um, and we chatted a bit. I just I said, well, I'm not going to race you for it. My eye was on the 160 kilometer race in five weeks' time, and so and she said, well, she just wanted to do a good ride for the owner of the horse because the horse was for sale. So that was that. That was easy. I wasn't going to gallop finish her, finish with her. So we tootled along for that for most of the two Ks, and then she canted off ahead um, and came in a, an easy winner and Tigger and I just trotted in. We'd done the um, 12 kilometres just over half an hour, so 23k an hour for that final loop. Um, it took us a while to get his heart rate down, about 15 minutes, but they both vetted through fine. So that was a big thrill. I was really happy with him. It was great. Again, because Jolene's so um, experienced, I had this discussion with her about what I should do with Tigger training-wise, between now and the 160K in five weeks' time. And she recommended that just a couple of weeks out, give him a good, fast workout of 10, 20 kilometres at, you know, 20, 30K an hour. So really give him a fast but not too long workout and that would really set him up well for doing a good 160. I really wanted to um, do well at the 160. I wanted to have a crack at winning it. North Island champs. So that was fine. When the time came, the best place to do fast work with Tigger is at the beach, I thought. Most of my riding and training, I do a lot of it on road verges, and you don't really want to go too fast at that point. Obviously, there are hazards coming up. There's traffic, it's, um, and the verges aren't always conducive to going fast anyway, even if it was safe to do so. Um, so I thought I'd go to the beach, low tide, was early, you have to go at the low tide so that there is enough beach and that the sand is hard, you don't want to be on soft sand when they're not used to it. And when I got there, there was a land yacht. A land yacht is a a little triangular, three-wheeled, low-to-the-ground thing with a sail. So basically you sail up and down the beach on these small wheels, the triangular base. And last time Tigger had met, a land yacht, Um, I'd had my GPS on, It takes a recording every two seconds. We'd gone from 14 kilometres an hour in one direction, two seconds later, 48 kilometres an hour in the opposite direction, and I was still on, which kind of surprised me, and only just, but luckily he shied and came underneath me, and I got my stirrup back and eventually managed to pull him up because he was bolting still. So when I saw the land yacht and I was on my own, I was pretty worried. Do I try and get past it? It was coming towards me. Do I try and get past it and or do I turn around and go back and potentially have it follow me all the way down the beach? I still hadn't quite made up my mind when Tigger saw the land yacht and took matters into his own hands. Now, at this point, I didn't have him in his own saddle because it still had the broken stirrup bar. I was having trouble sourcing another bar and getting it fixed. I had Lace's saddle on him, which is very similar but not quite the same. The lateral hold isn't quite so good. And it turns out that it slipped sideways a bit when he spun. We were in the surf, so we are in about a foot of water. So when I fell off, he ran away. Normally he doesn't run away, but because we were in the surf, he couldn't just stay. He ran away. He was about 20 metres away from me. He tried to stay. I couldn't get to him in time. The land yacht was still there and he bolted up the beach. Disappeared. Two kilometres of beach probably just about. Disappeared into the the haze and I was walking and, and jogging up the beach just hoping that everything would be okay, that he'd stop and all would be well. When I reached the end of the beach, he was still loose but there was a person there, there was a narrow part where... He could be contained with rocks, um, and a non-horsey person was there, and he was guarding the entrance, so Tigger was sort of contained safely in a a rock enclosure, Um, probably sort of dressage arena size, so he could still run around in there, but he was kind of standing, looking terrified. The guy said, he's very fast. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And so I went went and caught Tigger, and I was a little puzzled to see that the saddle was wet. But there was a lot of spray around, so I didn't think too much of it. And the saddle was a bit crooked, so that explained why I'd come off this time where I hadn't previously. And there was a bit of blood on his near fore, a couple of cuts on the front of his leg. I thought, oh, he's, he's, you know, done something dumb. And then the guy said, oh, well, he ran out of beach, he ran into the water, and when the water got deep, he flipped over. Oh, no. You don't take your horse into the surf down that end of the beach. There are too many rocks. When the water got deep and he hit a rock, he had flipped over. I couldn't get on straight away. The land yacht tigger could still see it. It was over a kilometre away, but he could still see it. And he was shaking. He was terrified. No way I could get on. Um, My beach friend... um, left after chatting to me for a while, he left and I saw him talk to the land yacht guy who lay his yacht down so Tinker couldn't see it anymore. So I was able to get on him. I trotted him up, he seemed fine. So I thought, oh well, he's not lame, I might as well do the workout that I'd planned to do. Got past the land yacht lying on the ground and then did my workout down the far end of the beach. The land yacht kept to one end of the beach, I kept to the other managed to do my workout. He felt amazing. He did really well. I thought, phew, how lucky was I? Took him home, trailer about three quarters of an hour or so. And when I took him off the trailer, that leg that he had the cuts on, there was swelling on the tendon. And sure enough, the next day he saw. So when he'd hit the rock with that leg, his back leg must have come forward and hit the back of his leg pretty hard. So that was it. That was Tigger out for that se- the rest of that season, which was pretty disappointing because he was so fit and ready to go. But, oh well, that's, that's horses again, isn't it? Um, this season, he basically had had to, from January till about, well, I started walking him before I went. ended up going to Tevis and then brought him back in the beginning of August. He did a couple of 40Ks with other riders when I was riding lace in those first two rides. We stepped it up a bit. He was coming up really well and he seemed, he had a few muscular problems, imbalance there. I think the magnesium supplement I was using didn't have enough calcium in it or something. Changed supplements, got him some massage. He came right. His first 80Ks, I'd meant it to, to be a slow 80 and he wasn't having a bar of it. And we ended up doing the last loop quite quick because the ground was beautiful and we'd gone out ahead and people were chasing me, but half an hour, 5Ks out, it's like, nah. I was never planning to do that. It was fun, but I stopped and walked in with my friend who was on a um, novice horse just doing a 40-kilometre ride. So we just walked the last half hour together, which was really nice. Three weeks after that, doing another 80K, and he was just on fire. He was going so well. He was vetting quickly, trotting well. Could still feel a little bit of niggly from that muscular problem he was having, but he was much improved could still feel he wasn't quite a hundred percent, so I was planning to get the massage person back out and just give him a a check over before the one twenty came around again in December at Curatau and we're cantering along in the in the grass, and I could as we're about a stride away and suddenly there was a log in the grass, but it was like a jump pole it was very easy to see, apparently not for Tigger. He stumbled on it, and then at the end. The last At the end of the, the ride, he went out lame. And when we looked, he that tendon had swollen up again. So I think what had actually happened is he, had actually, he hadn't just stumbled on it like I thought. He probably actually trod on the thing on that log and he's gone and tweaked that injury that he got back in January. So my season's not been that great so far. I blame the people who... At the beginning of the season, I said, I've got too many horses. I've got my young one, dancer, who's five. She's just been broken in. She needs to start just doing a little bit. I've got Richie, who should be stepping up and doing his first 80K rides this season. And I had Lace and Tigger. I wanted to concentrate on Lace. She went out. I wanted to concentrate. Then I concentrate on Tigger. Now he's out. And when I'd been telling people I had these four horses, they said, oh, that's all right. You'll have spares if anything goes wrong really? Who says that? I think they jinxed me. See ya. Have a nice new year. Bye, everyone. Hey, this
4: is Binky Tunny, coming to you from southeastern Wisconsin. wanted to tell a little story about how I got into distance riding. I was a city girl, born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and when I was two years old, my parents took me to a renaissance fair where they put me on a pony ride. And uh, it was all over. (laughs) All I could say from that day forward was horsey, horsey, I want to ride the horsey. I was fortunate enough to have parents that were really cool. And they and their friends got together and they bought a cottage in the northern Kettle Moraine. Well, there's 50 miles of horse trails in the northern Kettle Moraine. And they also had a stable there that was very old school and would just rent out horses and let you go exploring a bit. So... Years and years of uh, dad sort of running around in circles in the pony ring. And then finally, I was able to go out on the trails with him. And when I hit double digits, they let me go out alone, which was insane, but it was very cool. And then fast forward a bunch of decades. (laughs) Um, In 2009, I bought a horse from that stable and boarded it there. His name was Smokey, and he was an Amish Corvette. He was a thoroughbred. He had some issues. He was terrified of everything. He loved to run, run, run. But I was dedicated to Smokey and sort of working through his issues, giving him some self-esteem, having a blast in the process. And so one day as I was galloping through the Kettle Moraine I happened upon a few riders. And uh, I hope I didn't startle them too much as I came running up on them, but They stopped and they asked me what I was doing. And I said, well, my horse likes to run, so I think we're just going to canter a little bit. And they said, well, how long are you going to canter that horse? And I said, well, maybe an hour or two or three. And I was fully expecting them to yell at me for abusing my creature. But instead, Nancy Leonard and her friends told me about this amazing sport called endurance. As fate would have it, the Colorama Classic endurance ride was going to be held on that same trail system the following month. So I rode with Nancy and her friends for a while and made sure to take mental notes of all the groups they told me to Google UMECRA and Draw and AERC. But the point that really hooked me was that Nancy said they had a novice class in this ride where I'd only have to go 12 to 15 miles just to see how I like the sport. And I could win a ribbon. A ribbon. I could win a ribbon for doing exactly what I do all the time without winning ribbons. So I, I was definitely hooked, went home, Googled everything. And then I started riding Smokey with a purpose. I committed to three days a week on him, even though I lived an hour away from the barn. And on ride day, I rode smoky to the ride my dad met me there with a halter a bucket of water and some hay and a really good book and some soda pop <laughs> and uh, he waited patiently with the book in the bucket as I did my first ride and got my third place ribbon and was hooked for life the rest was history I rode back to the barn happier than a pig in poop and I've been hooked ever since So I knew I needed a plan. I had no truck, I had no trailer, but I knew I had to do this sport. So some horseback drinking friends of mine put me in touch with this girl, Jolene. Now Jolene was an experienced horse girl. Uh, She had the truck, she had the trailer, but she also had an awful husband and she was looking for excuses to get away from him all the time. So this was a really great opportunity for her as well. In 2010, we really hit that novice circuit But I think I should take a moment to explain exactly what I mean by novice rides. I know in the upper Midwest, we offer novice rides to people looking to get into distance, but they're not really sure what it's all about. I've heard about intro rides in other parts of the country, and I think it might be slightly different. And I've heard the term novice thrown about in other parts of the world, and I know it's definitely not the same thing. But here in Wisconsin... They're 12 to 15 miles, and they're run exactly as a CTR. So you get the really hardcore vet check before, and you get the really hardcore vet check after. Sometimes they'll even surprise you with one in the middle. But you learn how to pace your horse. You learn about PNRs and metabolics and how to do a really fine trot out and how to pace yourself, how to pace your horse. And they're all run slightly differently depending on the ride manager's preference. Sometimes you'll go out, with a guide or a mentor. Other times you'll go out alone. Sometimes they'll give you the choice of hey, do you want to ride alone or would you like to pick a mentor? It's really all across the spectrum. But the whole concept of the novice rides, I think is an incredibly valuable tool to attract new people to the sport and then to educate them so when they do move up to the longer distances, they're not hurting themselves, hurting their horses, and they're not surprised. Well, in 2011, I joined the Army National Guard and I had to go off to basic training. So that sort of put a damper on a bit of our season. But when I got back, we did a couple more. And the following year, Smokey was having a little bit of trouble. And so occasionally I would need to borrow one of Jolene's horses. And on top of all that, Jolene was actually going through a terrible divorce with her horrible husband. And she was kind of losing her mind. So we ended up having a huge falling out and sort of had to cut ties and I had to regroup and made some really hard decisions. I had just bought a house. (laughs) I had no money because I just bought a house, but I I needed a horse. So I turned to Facebook. I love Facebook. (laughs) Well, through Facebook, I met Rachel Nanstead, who is an extraordinary horsewoman, an extraordinary human being. And she allowed me to take her boy, Night Tripper, who was seven-eighths straight Egyptian Arab. Um, she had rescued him from a really bad situation and took him from the brink of death to an actual functioning horse. Um, he was gorgeous and awesome, but a total punk. And I, I immediately clicked with him. Loved the crap out of him. So great. Anyways, so we wanted to do the novice at Colorama, but I didn't have a truck or a trailer. So I turned to eBay, and I bought a trailer. And I met another friend who had a truck, and he drove me to Colorama. We took second place in the novice with 22 other horses and riders, and I was once again happy as a pig in poop. The following year, we finally... Um, joined an actual distance riding group. It was Draw. That was the one for Wisconsin. And we hit the novice rides pretty darn hard, ended up taking like top 10 novice. I think we were in a second or third. But more importantly, that year in 2014, we tried our first miles CTR. And that was once again at the Colorama Classic. And Tripp was pretty excited that day. I decided it would be smart to mount him by our campsite instead of at the start area, um, which was a mistake because as soon as my butt hit the saddle, he took off and we were galloping through camp. And my foot wasn't even in the stirrup, and we smashed into Laura's pickup truck, and I went headfirst into the wheel well, and the lug nut even went through my helmet. So I heard yelling, "Oh my god, it's Trip! It's Trip! Where's Binky? Where's Binky?" and And Jesse and a bunch of my other friends came around to see if I had gotten a concussion or was dead or all that stuff. But um, I was fine. And we did the ride um, with my giant hole in my helmet. And we ended up taking second place in our first 25 CTR. And pig and poop, once again, happy as a clam. It was fantastic. So the following year in 2015, we joined UMECRA and we hit those 25s pretty hard. We ended up winning a trophy for top rookie CTR and then we took top heavyweight competitive in the upper midwest and I got my jacket and I was pretty pretty stoked. Um 2016 I was really enthusiastic. I wanted to bump up to the 50s, but trip was having some trouble and Long story short, if it wasn't for those really hardcore vet checks and the really, really knowledgeable vets that I encountered, I would not have discovered the issue. But long story short, Tripp's early years of really intense abuse had caused some pretty bad arthritis in his hocks. And I needed to once again make a really tough decision because this horse loved the sport. I love the sport. This is the whole reason I got the horse. You know, what was I going to do? So it was at the end of the season when he was finally diagnosed with this arthritis. And I took the winter to really contemplate what was best for him, what was best for me, and what I wanted to do. And for now, this story has gotten long enough, so we'll hit the rest of the story next time. Thanks for listening.
5: Hi, this is Amber Erickson with... Alice Erickson. From Wisconsin. We rode together last year, which was fun. This was our third season riding together. Alice has 755 total endurance miles while I'll have 1315 total endurance miles. Last year we did 405 endurance miles, and Alice did another 60 LD. So Alice, what is your favorite ride from
6: 2018? Endless Valley, because there were so many hills and my horse loves hills.
5: Yep. The hills were fun. We went up and down, right? Up, down, up, down. What's the best part about camping?
6: The best part about camping was that we got spaghetti and garlic bread before the night before we went out to ride.
5: So, with the spaghetti, I have found riding with juniors that you have to carb load them before a ride. Otherwise, we get that up and down sugar crash about mid afternoon and it's not great. So, I found that a full helping of spaghetti and garlic bread. Helps to fill her up the day before a ride. What else do you like about camping?
6: What I also like about camping is that you get, the after you saddle up your horse, you go out, well, first you check your horse out, and then you go out and ride, and you start your ride.
5: That's the best part? Yeah. You pop out of bed pretty early
6: uh-huh. for rides. I do. Yes, I
5: do. Do you get up that early for school?
6: Never.
5: It's easier on a ride?
6: Never. Yes, because yeah. I want to go see my horse all the
5: time. What's your favorite thing about endurance riding?
6: That I get a ride 50 miles. On your horse. On my horse. Mhm. Alright,
5: which ride was your favorite besides the hills? Endless Valley um,
6: still? Probably Bone Crusher.
5: Bone Crusher, okay. What would you like about Bone Crusher?
6: Because I got a ride with another family which was really fun because I got to talk with other people and I also got to help out with the ride.
5: Mm-hmm. Right. So, I think the best thing about riding with a junior is that every ride is different. Every ride is fun and unique, right? What are some of the things we do on trail?
6: Play hide and earth er, is it called?
5: I Spy. I Spy. We yes. play a lot of I Spy. Mm-hmm. And Preacher's Cat. And Preacher's Cat. Yep. Um, we play a lot of alphabet games. Uh, we play a lot of math games. Yes. We play a lot of I Spy games because it makes the mileage go by, right? Yes. Yep. What are we gonna ride next year? Do you think we'll go back to twenty fives?
6: No.
5: I think will go fifties to- and
6: hundreds. You
5: want to try hundred?
6: Yes. All right.
5: That's our goal for next season. We're looking at maybe trying a hundred at the end of next season. Alice will be nine. How old were you when you first started Endurance?
6: Six.
5: Yep, you did your first 50 when was you were
6: six. was six. Yep, six.
5: remember which ride it was? Oh, yes. Point Chaser. Point Chaser. Yep, what was the ride like? What was the best part?
6: That you got to overlook the whole camp at one point. What mm-hmm. was that big hill we climbed, uh-huh. then we had
5: a beautiful overlook. Yep. What's the hardest part about Endurance?
6: That you have to. That usually it's a four loop that there's four loops 50s and three loop 50s and in the four loop 50s that the horses always just want to go back to camp because most of the rides are three loop 50s so they always just want to go back to camp and they don't want to go back out of that last loop and the last loop is kind of really like that's supposed to be there because like it's just an extra we like it better when we
5: ride longer loops, but less of them.
6: Yes. Okay. On a
5: normal three-loop 50, what's your hardest part of the ride?
6: Getting through the last loop without trying to eat myself.
5: <laughs> what's the trick to getting through a ride with a junior? Lots of snacks? Yes.
6: <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely,
5: yes. Lots and lots of snacks. Yes. We eat the whole ride through.
6: Mm-hmm. Including you.
5: You eat a lot, too. I no, not anything
6: else.
5: I think that's it. All right, we're out from Wisconsin. Back to the snow.
7: Hi, this is Missy Bolin, co-leader of the Walton County Pony Express 4-H Club. And my co-leader is also Christina Landerno. This time, we're going to introduce you to our president, which is Sarah White. Sarah's 15 years old, and she's been riding endurance since she was 8. And we're just going to ask Sarah about some of her goals and get to know her a little bit better. She so far has 100 endurance miles and 200 limited distance miles. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today?
8: I'm doing good.
7: Great. What was your first ride you ever did?
8: Camp Osborne SummerSlam.
7: Tell me about your first ride. How old were you?
8: I was eight years old.
7: And what got you interested in endurance?
8: My mom has been riding endurance since she was a teenager, so I kind of grew up around it, and I just was always interested in it and always wanted to ride with her.
7: So is she your riding buddy? She is. Do you like that?
8: Yes, I do. She's,
7: she's a good riding buddy, isn't she?
8: Yes, ma'am.
7: So tell me about your very first ride.
8: My very first ride was on my quarter horse, and we had trained a lot. And so I was excited to finally get to do my first ride, and the trails were really nice and easy, and we got to cross the lake at the end, if you chose to, but my horse wouldn't go in the water, (laughs) and I cried about it.
7: (laughs) As an eight-year-old might. Yes. (laughs) Because you had to go around the lake.
8: Yes, and I was excited to go in the lake.
7: (laughs) Did you eventually ever return to that ride and cross the lake and swim through it? I did
8: with a different horse.
7: And tell me about that. Was it as much fun as you expected it to it be? It
8: was. And we, after the ride, we me and Aubrey went and swam in the lake with our horses and played around and swam. And
7: And had a lot of fun. We did. What is the most recent ride that you've done?
8: Ed and I won our gallop.
7: And how far did you go?
8: 25 miles because my horse is new to endurance. And this is her first ride ever. How'd she do? She did great. Better than some of our horses that's done it for many years. Okay.
7: So you're excited, excited about your prospect for this year? I
8: am.
7: Very good. What was the best part about this most recent ride?
8: Um, it had to be, the trails were really, really pretty. And it's just really nice and she was a nice ride manager and she provided everything for us and was always nice and helpful.
7: Very good. Did, what? Uh, how many competitors were in the LD Junior, do you know? Uh,
8: there was two. two? I believe in the 25.
7: And how did you finish on that?
8: I finished second.
7: And were you, was it? did you finish where you wanted to finish?
8: Yes, because I wanted to take it nice and slow for her first ride, so she didn't get a race brain.
7: And you succeeded at your objectives? I did. Very good. What is your 4-H goal this year?
8: My 4-H goal is to make everyone in the club do at least some endurance or volunteering.
7: And you are a perfect leader to do that. Let me tell you, you're very positive and and encourage your fellow club members a lot. Thank you. What was the most challenging ride you've ever been at?
8: Uh, The most challenging ride I've ever been at is Benina Lakes because we got lost on the trail for about five hours, and it was hard to find our way back.
7: Wow. That was uh, quite an adventure. (laughs) Yeah. So let's see here. What's your next ride you're going to be going? Gator Run. And where's that?
8: It's, I think in Florida. it's in Florida. Yeah. Okay,
7: and uh, about how far away, is, uh, time-wise, is that from today?
8: I think it's uh, it's about a month.
7: Okay, okay, and I think I heard something about you saying you're going to do Macaulay this year. I
8: am going to do Macaulay. I'm hoping to do a 50 on my new horse at Macaulay.
7: So that is a great goal. Okay, and tell me a little bit about Macaulay. I've not been there, but I know you have, and you really like it.
8: Uh, Macaulay is where I did my first 50 ever and it was on my friend's horse, and so it's always just been a memorable place for me, and the trails are all really nice, and there's a nice creek, so if it's hot, you can go swimming, and it's a little bit of a drive, and there's an obstacle course that you can go on in the meantime, and everyone's so nice and friendly, and it's just a fun ride to go to, and they have electricity if you would rather.
7: So very accommodating. Very. Very good. If you wanted to, uh, if I asked you to give some advice to somebody interested, somebody uh, in high school or, or younger who's wanting to get interested in, and started in endurance riding, what advice would you give them?
8: I would tell them to talk to someone at ARC and try to find a junior mentor and try to help them through it. And it's worth it in a long while, and you'll really enjoy it. It's a lifelong thing you can do with yours.
7: And do you have a mentor?
8: Uh, My mom. Your
7: mom. And has that been invaluable to you?
8: That
7: has. Yeah. Um, What's the biggest lesson uh, so far that you would say that you've learned? Um, Maybe a hard lesson, maybe not a hard lesson, but what's the most powerful thing that you've learned so far for uh, endurance riding?
8: I've learned that even if you get pulled at a race, it's not the end of the world and that you just have to keep going and everything will get better.
7: That's good. That's good advice. Thank you so much for talking with me today. And uh, this is Sarah White, our club president. And Aubrey has not had a ride since the last time I spoke and and did an interview. Um, Our next club meeting, we will introduce you to another club member who is brand new to endurance riding. Actually, we'll just say still doing intros, but we'll introduce him in a bit. So thank you guys for uh, following the club a little bit, and we appreciate you listening.
9: Hello, it's Sandy Sickles, Upper Midwest Endurance Rider and Green Bean and somebody who's dreaming about doing Tevis someday. Well, I thought I'd better check in because we finally did our first novice intro ride with my horse, Will. Will's my five-year-old Arab gelding and his registered name is Ajmani M.P. We did the Iron Oaks ride on October 14th up in Arkdale, Wisconsin, and absolutely had the time of our lives. It was wonderful. We camped overnight. Uh, I was worried about how Will was going to camp because it was his first trip, Uh, but he settled right in and was real quiet, had a nice evening. And then the next morning, we woke up and it was cold and raining, but I was not going to be deterred. I was. I was there to do this thing. So I made my way over to the little mini clinic that they had for the intro riders and everybody was so warm and welcoming and it was it was just great to meet everyone and I got to meet Sally Hoff who is my ride leader and Sally was wonderful. I hope for everyone to have somebody like Sally to introduce them to the sport cuz she just is so kind and so informative. And I was really put at ease and I was able to enjoy myself. And I just really wish for that for everybody to have such a great first experience. Um, And the vets were terrific. They were. Really, really kind and giving me, um, you know, a little some tips and tricks on, you know, what to do when they're checking my horse's pulse and respiration and some um, good tips about trotting out. And I have to tell you, that practicing, I practice trotting out a lot at home. And Will and I did not do very good at home at all. And we're asking to do the trot out and thinking, okay, here we go. And all of a sudden, Will is trotting like he's done this a million times. He was wonderful. I was so shocked. It was it was great. Um, anyway, after all that, we got the go-ahead, and I went tacked up and, and met Sally and started out. We had a lovely time. Uh, will was you know having a little trouble raiding himself with another horse that was a big first for him, but so he was pretty much a jackhammer until he figured it out and then he leveled off and was driving from behind and it was just so smooth and just really a pleasure to ride and he just very relaxed and we just had so much fun. Um, he did have a couple refusals I was expecting a whole lot more from a green horse, but uh, just two little ones. One was um, navigating a washout gully. He wasn't sure about how to deal with it. So I got off and let him through it. And he didn't refuse. He just followed me right through it and was like, oh, okay. now I get it. And I got back on him. And then the next one was when we were um, crossing what everyone was jokingly calling the lake. It was a pretty deep puddle. And I would say I'd probably about a foot deep ish. And Will was just not having it. He he just wasn't going to he wasn't going to cross it. So, I got off and let him through it and he just followed right behind me. I mean, it wasn't pretty. He was getting wet and he wasn't walking in a straight line, but we made it through it just fine. And then they had two other puddles, right one right after another. And by the time we got to that third one, he was marching through it like he had done this his whole life. So got back on him and continued on and just had a grand time. Um, and I am totally, totally hooked. I did have to ride her option because I had a nasty back spasm a couple hours into the ride. That, you know, no matter how much stretching I did in the saddle, it just wasn't going to loosen up. So we had to stop. Um, I was disappointed in that, but I figure uh, the reason why is when I didn't take any Advil or anything before the ride, and I had slept on these little sleeping mats in the horse trailer, and it was cold. So, you know, I can remedy that with a with a better mattress. It'll be fine. Um, and but you know the important thing is that Will was forward and light and confident and just having a great time. So I am really looking forward to the two thousand nineteen ride season. I think we're going to have a lot of fun, and I hope to see you guys out on the trails. Thank you so much for listening, and happy trails. Bye bye.
10: Hi, this is Courtney Kruger. I've been doing Ride and Tie now for seven years. My brother in law, Mark Landers, and I just won our fourth consecutive Man Man National Points Championship for the 2018 season. I also, in 2015, won the Man Woman Championship with Carrie Barris. Our friend Dave Venable says that to win a points championship in Ride and Tie, you just have to be willing to spend more diesel fuel than any more money on diesel fuel than anybody else. Uh, and he really is right. If you do more races, you have a much better shot, obviously, of winning the championship. And the way the championship points are determined, it really does favor those that complete. So you get two points for every mile that you complete. And then you also get 25 points for every race you complete. So if you complete a 20-mile race, you would get 40 mile, forty points for the miles and 25 more points for the completion. And then you do get an extra five points for every team that you come in ahead of. And so you can get a few more points that way, but really just to to make up the miles and complete the races is the best way to rack up points. And I want to tell you a little bit, a story about the first man-man title I won, which really was the most exciting one. Uh, Coming toward the end of the season, Mark and I had been in several races and so had Perry Summers and Jarvis Pickens. And coming up to the last race of the season, Mark and I were up by two points over Perry and Jarvis. And I kind of played around with the math and realized it didn't really matter what place we came in in the race. What mattered was whichever team beat the other team, it didn't matter how many other teams came in ahead of us, but whichever man-man team came in ahead of the other man-man team would win the points championship. And so if Mark and I came in ahead of, of Perry and Jarvis, we would win the championship by seven points. And if they came in ahead of us, they would win by three and I figured that out a few weeks before the race, and I thought about not telling them. I wasn't sure they knew how close they were to us, but I really decided it would just be more fun if we knew that there was a whole national championship riding on this race. And so we started ribbing them good-naturedly and teasing with them and going back and forth a little bit on Facebook about this national championship on the line at this race. The race was at Clemson, which was the home turf for all of us, uh, all of us, uh, particularly Mar uh, uh Perry, and Jarvis, and I lived right there in the Clemson area, and then Mark, my brother-in-law, had come up and, and run those trails a number of times, so there really wasn't a home field advantage, and the thing I love about riding tie is we can be super competitive out there on the trail, but then once we finish the race, it's all over, and everybody is a wonderful friend, and so I knew that whatever happened, everybody was going to be happy, and we were all going to have just have a good time out there together, but we're going to compete pretty hard. Now, a major tactical error that I made was the day before, which had been Friday, there was another ride and tie race at Clemson. It was a 30-mile race. There were only three teams in the race. The big race was going to be on Saturday, and so we all decided, the three teams that were racing, that we would just stay together. The runners would stay together, and the riders would stay together, and we would just have a good time doing 30 miles together on the Clemson uh, trails. The problem with that was, was that of the uh, six runners in that whole, in that race, I was by far the, the slowest runner, the weakest runner. All the other five were women, and they all were just amazing runners. And so it didn't take too long on that trail for they were starting to wear me out. But we had said we are going to stay together, and so I was trying to stay together. So I was really running faster and harder than I wanted to or that I ordinarily would have. And probably a halfway or three-quarters way through the race, I was just beat. And so finally I said to them, y'all just go on ahead, but I cannot keep up with you. And so they kind of took off. And my partner and I, I think it may have been Carrie that time as well, uh, we just kept doing our own little pace. And we knew we were going to come in last place. And and that was fine. There was nothing really riding on it. But when I got back to the, the, the trailhead, got to the finish line, I was so beat. And my calves were killing me. And I was pretty sure that I had just destroyed my chance of winning a national championship the next day. I wasn't charging me to compete the next day. I was so tired and I was hurting so much. And everybody planned to go out to this barbecue restaurant that everybody loves in the Clemson area. All the ride and die community has found this place called the Smoking Pig. And they were going to go out there that night. We're all going to have a good time at the restaurant. But instead, I just went home. And luckily, I was just three or four miles from our house uh, at the time. And uh, I went home and I got in bed and I stayed in bed for over 12 hours and I got up the next morning and I was just so sure I'd kill my chance at a national championship. I had hardly made it through the first 30 miles the day before and now I had to do another 30 miles the next day and this day it really meant something. But I woke up and I really was refreshed and I thought maybe I'm going to be okay and maybe it's all right. I spent so much time in bed. Maybe I had the chance to recover. Maybe we're good. So went over to the farm where our horses were kept, and I loaded up uh, Cruz, our horse, and coming back across to, to, to the trailhead, I was just singing at the top of my t- lungs Templeton Thompson's song, I Need a Horse That Can Fly. And it is just a perfect ride-and-die horse song. Because one of the lines says, I need somewhere to run, I need somewhere to ride, uh, and it talks about, it. I just need a horse that can fly. And so I am just singing that at the top of my lungs. And we get there, and we start the race, and Dave Venable had given me some advice. And he said, when you start that race, you want to start as fast as you can go. And you just want to make the others look or feel like that you are just invincible. And if you get out ahead of them right at the beginning, you may demoralize them enough that they think they can't catch you, and it'll be a whole lot easier. And so that was Mark and my plan. And Mark's a better runner than I am, and so he was going to run first, and I was going to ride first and uh, we decided we would go a little over a mile before our first tie, which is a little long, but we said, let's just go it and let's just push as hard as we can that first mile or so. And so I was just cantering Cruz as fast as we could go, and Cruz is on his home turf, and I'm on my home turf, and we know these trails, and so we are just flying. And I knew there was a horse behind me, and I could tell that it was either a chestnut or a bay, but I didn't want to turn around and look, but I was really afraid that it was Perry right there behind me, following me but I was just going as fast as I could go and we came to a road crossing had to slow down a little bit and as we slowed down I just yelled over my shoulder now yesterday when I came through here uh, there were some hunters over here so we need to be careful and the reason I yelled that wasn't so much to be a good sportsman but I wanted to see if that was Perry behind me without being so obvious and I hear Carrie Barris's voice behind me I know Courtney I was here yesterday too And she said, the reason I'm behind you is I don't have any brakes on this horse. So I'm not stopping until you stop because I don't think I can stop the horse that I'm on. And so we went the next uh, little bit, tied the horse, and then I started running as fast as I could. And Mark caught me after a while. And we started just doing switches back and forth and back and forth. And we stayed out in front of Jarvis and Perry. We got to the vet check, got through the vet check really quick. We were a few minutes ahead of... Uh, Jarvis and, and Perry and so we felt good about that and we now had about another 12 or 15 miles to go before the end of the race and we're just we feel like we're making really really good time and at one point I'm on cruise and it just so happened that that weekend there were some uh, bow hunters in those woods as well which is kind of scary when you think about uh, horses and and hunters in, this, in the same space but there are bow hunters out there and one guy had had killed a deer And he was dragging the deer down the trail, and Cruz and I ran up on him. And Cruz immediately just braked to a stop. I mean, here's this deer, and there's a little bit of blood actually trailing down the trail where where he's dragging the deer down the trail. And I just encouraged Cruz and patted him and said, It's fine, Cruz. It's okay. Let's just go. This is fine. There's no problem. And my horse turned, and he looked at me and stared me in the eye as if to say, There is nothing about this situation that is okay. That man just killed that animal, and I'm a prey animal myself, and he may k- try to kill me and eat me too. There is nothing uh, okay about that situation. And so finally, I had to take crews way up in the woods and go way around that guy uh, and get back on the trail and get going again, and, and was certainly hoping that that hadn't cost us uh, too much time. But uh, it hadn't. We kept going. We got to within about a quarter mile or so, maybe a half a mile of the finish, and I told Mark, Mark, you go ahead and take Cruz all the way in. Mark had started cramping a little bit. And I said, I can run, and I don't have to outrun the horse. I just have to outrun one of those guys, and, and I'll do it. If they catch me, I will, I'll outrun them. And so Mark said okay, and he took the horse in, but he had a great idea. About 100 yards before the end of the trail, Mark jumped off a cruise and tied Cruz to a tree, and then he ran on in thinking that if uh, I was in the race of my life and I, was, I only had to beat the person and not the horse, because in riding Tie, the race doesn't end until all three heartbeats, as we say, cross the finish line. And so as long as I crossed the finish line ahead of the runner, if I was on the horse, um, and, and our three heartbeats got across before their three heartbeats did, then we would win. It was such a smart tactical move that Mark made, and I was so proud of him. And so I jumped on Cruz and cantered him across, had to go across a little bridge, And up a little hill, and there we were, and we made the finish. And it was our very first uh, national championship, man-man points. And uh, it was just a great day. And Jarvis and Perry weren't far behind us. And when they got in, of course, they congratulated us. And as I said, the thing I love about Riding Tie is we're fierce competitors on the trail, but we're wonderful sports and even better friends when we're off the trail. And uh, even to this day, I stay in touch with them. And um, we've been really working on uh, Jarvis, particularly lately, about coming back. He hadn't done Riding Tie in a few years and trying to get him to maybe do Riding Tie in 2019 because he's really gotten into running lately. So that's a little bit about um, Riding Tie points championships, how we, how we do points, and also about the first uh, Man-Man championship that I won. I hope you all have a great 2019, and I hope maybe to see some of you out there on the trail.
11: Hello, I'm Audrey Hager, and I've been meaning to submit to the podcast since it first began and I'm just finally now getting around to it so I live in San Antonio Texas and I may be an anomaly in the endurance world since I'm only 34 years old when I believe the average age is about 50 years old I don't currently own my own horse and most of the horses I do ride are gated horses I do get to ride regularly I'm friends with Bobby Joe Lieberman and Kenny Weber and Bobby's been a great mentor to me. She has loads of experience and she's been doing endurance since the 80s. Uh, She's done lots of rides kinds of like LDs, 50s and 100s and she has a 93% completion rate. Bobby and Kenny essentially have more horses than they can keep up with so I help them out with riding, training and conditioning their horses. The main horse I've been riding Is known as Jazz and Jazz is a 13 year old Tennessee walking horse mare and her registered name is Dancer's Southern Princess. She's got her own interesting story. Jazz was trained as a four and five year old by Keith Kibler. Keith uh, is also a great mentor in the endurance world. He specifically trains gated horses for endurance and so Bobby purchased Jazz from Keith did a season of lds on her but then noticed something wasn't quite quite right with jazz Um, she was uncoordinated tripping her balance was off and so they got her tested and realized she had epm now epm is a neurological disease that some horses can get and it affects their balance and their muscles and if it's untreated a horse can die from it but they realized she had it and so treated it aggressively Gave her a year off, and then sent her to another trainer uh, called um, Jody Buttram. Jody's also an experienced trainer and rider in endurance. And so Jody did a season of LDs on jazz. And then they were going to try and sell her, but, you know, that wasn't quite right. Nobody was interested. And so they she came back to the ranch. And so then they're like, well, why don't you try some 50s on jazz? And so I'm like, okay sure <laughs> we did a season of 50s in 2017 and then just this past year in 2018 the next step was to do more multi-days and so that was my main goal for this last year was to do back-to-back 50s and we did that uh, really well she's really been a great horse to ride but i will say it's been a learning experience for both of us i think I mean, even this time last year I was riding Jazz in a 50. We got to the three quarter point, about like mile 35 or so. And Jazz just didn't really want to go anymore. She just wanted to walk and eat. And as a rider, that's really frustrating, right? When your goals don't match the goals of your horse. But we persevered and we finished. Um, But I was really questioning, does Jazz really want to do 50s? Maybe she should just do LDs. You know, she got time off. And then we did the next ride and she was super strong and, and it was great. And even in the multi-days, she's been really strong. And so I put obstacles in front of her and she just overcomes them, no problem. She's really helped me to learn about patience and to learn about asking. Uh, as a mare, she can be opinionated. And so if she doesn't wanna do something, she's not gonna do it. So as a rider, you just have to ask. You can't really tell a thousand pound animal what to do. But that strengthened our relationship, really. So we've had a great season, and I've learned recently that she's now considered the top Tennessee walking horse in endurance, which is just really awesome, I think. So I've only been doing endurance for the past three years now, though I have been riding my whole life. Um, I've been riding since age seven. I grew up doing 4-H. I had a trusty quarter horse and a thoroughbred. I've dabbled in just about every discipline there is. So hunt seat, hunter jumper, western, gymkhana, dressage, and even driving, pleasure driving. And I didn't really know about endurance until about five years ago. My older sister, who also is into horses, she has her own horse farm, Caroline North, she first told me about endurance and she's like, hey, do you want to give this a try? So I'm like, sure, you know, why not? Because um, I I already like endurance sports. I had been doing a lot of running and I've run two marathons so to me there's something uh, about endurance where you push yourself to overcome your own obstacles. Uh, There's something intriguing about that and so when you combine that with horses it's you know the best sport I think. And so my sister and I went to a clinic by Patty Stedman. Patty Stedman actually just lives not too far from where I grew up in upstate New York. And so we went to a clinic and now Patty has her own online clinic called Endurance Essentials so that people can learn about endurance just on their computer. And so then we volunteered at some rides and I crewed. And then I moved to San Antonio And so in San Antonio, I didn't really know how to get into the endurance world. So I volunteered at a local ride. And then the ride manager is good friends with Bobby and Kenny. And so then basically we hooked up and the rest is history, basically. It's just been a great partnership. And so one piece of advice I can't not give is that it's can be real helpful to volunteer at rides. Ask questions, get to know people. There could be opportunities out there that you don't know about until you just go and give it a try. So for future goals, I would like to do a 75 mile ride and a 100 mile ride at some point. The logistics make it daunting, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I'd like to give it a try. We'll see. I don't have any particular rides set for this particular season because I just started a new job and my schedule is really crazy. I think I can probably make it happen. When there's a will, there's a way. That's what I say. So if you want to learn more about my adventures, I have a blog called maythehorsebewithyou.blogspot.com and so you can read about us there. Thanks everyone.
12: My name is Doree Swite, and I'm from Manitoba, Canada. I'm going to tell you a story from my Tevis experience from 2016. We had got into Forest Hills, and uh, so that's about uh, 68 miles in on the ride, and the, our team vet met us, and and he said to me, "You're doing better than I thought you would," and I thought to myself, "Well, thanks, I think." And so I said to him, just looked at him, and I said, fooled you, didn't I? I guess he was thinking I was 60, and uh, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't make it too far. Anyway, I I was quite pleased with myself, and, and you know, I'd made it 68 miles in. It felt pretty good. I was riding with my friend Wendy, who's 20 years younger than me, and I figured, well, if she'd get us through the dark, because I can't see in the dark. Anyway, so we vetted through, everything was fine, and we headed out of Forest Hills, Well, we had no lights, we had no glow sticks, and we couldn't see where we were going. And that was just stupid. We were told, oh no, the moon, the moon will be sufficient. Well, it was overcast, and we had no idea where we were going. We tried to get through Forest Hills, and we really couldn't see. And luckily for us, we ran into somebody who knew the way, so we followed them for a bit. We kind of tried to stick with people who had lights just in case we needed a light, but we would we would kind of bypass somebody if they felt they were going too slow, and we would just continue on and hopefully meet up with somebody else with lights if we, if we saw them. And we were doing okay. We ended up following this group, and oh gosh, I don't know how, how I don't know how long we followed them, but you know, I'd been following this person, and we were, it was outside of Cal too, so we were probably another, I don't know, we were probably at mile 76. And I'd been following this horse for quite a while. I wasn't right in his tail, but we started coming down uh, a slope. And at the bottom of the slope, all of a sudden I realized, oh no, this horse has stopped. And I was far too close. And all of a sudden those, both those back feet come flying back at me. And I remember thinking, Oh, he's wearing shoes. Well, of course he's wearing shoes. He's at Tevis. Anyway, I dodged to try and miss the shoes to the feet into my face. And I remember the shoes coming up. I remember thinking I'm coming off. I don't remember coming off. I remember thinking I'm going to be trampled. I don't remember being trampled. I don't remember the woman coming speaking to me. But she did, and uh, I just remember Wendy shouting up at me, Darice, get back on your horse, Darice, get back on your horse. And I remember sitting there thinking, what the heck just happened? Anyway, I'm, my nose is like a gusher. There's blood just pouring out of my nose. I checked my teeth to make sure I still had teeth because I figured I didn't have my front teeth. I was quite happy they were still in place. So as I was sitting there trying to think how I was going to stop the nosebleed, get on my horse and continue on, people came along down the road and and started saying, you got to get off the trail, which I know I did have to get off the trail, but I thought, can't I just have a moment? I'm bleeding profusely. Anyway, I said, I can't get back on, my nose is pouring, and somebody finally turned on a light. And I remember there was a loud gasp because it was like a faucet. I've never had a nosebleed like that. Anyway luckily from for me, Wendy had her bandana still because I had nothing, and my hand wasn't stopping the blood, so okay, fine, so I just I was so dazed, and I thought, "What now?" and Wendy said, "Get on your horse, and I thought, I can't lift my leg, not realizing how much damage had been done to my legs so Fine, she gets off her horse and she just basically tosses me back on mine, which was lovely. Then for some reason my stirrup had come undone. So okay, fine, she fixed that. But she made it really short. So by the time we got to Cal two, oh gosh, it seemed to take forever. My nose would not keep bleeding. I just kept on holding the the bandana to try to get my nose to bleed, to stop bleeding. And she kept on asking me how I was doing, and I remember I felt like saying, shut up and just keep going, (laughs) like I'm fine. But it's the only time I did feel slightly nauseous uh, because just, you know, we would slow down and we were kind of going back and forth on the trail. Anyway, we get into Cal 2, and I thought I was done. I told Wendy, I'm going to be pulled. I was positive that Tia had been injured by the kick. Turns out Tia was fine, it was me. And my, my perception was slightly off. So when I thought she was off, it, no, it was just me. So the vets looked me over and said, nope, my nose wasn't broken. I was good to go. So off I went again, got back on. Away I went. I had my stirrup adjusted because it was too short and my knee was killing me. And I rode on for a while more. And finally, I, I bet it was two hours before my nose quit bleeding. So we get into the final stop, and I can't even begin to tell you how awesome it was to get our to be to be finished, get our completion. I was so beaten up, but we were done, and we had done it. We cried, we laughed. Wendy picked me up. We hugged. The next day, my face was, a, was, was quite, the, quite the spectacle, and my knee where I'd been trampled was a mess. But I have a buckle, and I have a story. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
7: Hi, this is Missy Bolin, and I am one of two 4-H leaders of the Pony Express 4-H Club of Walton County, Florida. The other co-leader is Christina, and we have a brand new club that started in January 2018. We focus primarily on endurance and some competitive trail. Today, I'm going to introduce you to our most experienced member, endurance rider member, and tell you a little bit about her, uh, let you hear from some of the youth across the country that are actively competing in endurance. So welcome, this is uh, Aubrey Williams. Hi, Aubrey, how are you doing today?
0: Hi, I'm good, how are you?
7: I'm doing well. I wanna take and tell a little bit about Aubrey to start off with. Aubrey right now, as of to date, has 530 endurance miles. She has 1,215 limited distance. She has competed in 175, She's not done 100 yet, but that is her 4-H goal for this year. She has done two, six, uh, I'm sorry, she has done six two-day rides and one three-day ride. She has a total of 43 starts, 38 of completions. Five of those were rider options and one was lameness. So as part of 4-H, we love to teach the youth about how they first take care of their horse, proper training and things of that nature, and uh, obviously... um, Aubrey is very experienced and has been riding for a long time. Aubrey, how old are you? I'm 13. When did you start riding?
0: I started riding when I was 8 years old with my grandma, Kim Williams, and didn't start endurance until I was 9.
7: What was your first endurance ride?
0: Swanee River. It was something by the Swanee River. It was a 25 mile and I think the farthest that I've ever been before that was 15 miles.
7: So was that quite a fun experience?
0: Yes, it was. My grandma kept telling me, we have five more miles, and I kept saying, well, you said five more miles five miles ago. <laughs> so it, was, it, it went by pr- pretty fast. but
7: She encourages you a lot. Yes. <laughs> do you train with your grandma?
0: Yes, I train every weekend and sometimes during the week, depending on what we do the weekend before that.
7: How many horses do you currently ride?
0: I currently ride two and if my grandma needs help then i'll ride some of hers or help pony any of them
7: you had quite an accomplishment this year what did you qualify for um
0: i qualified for nationals on fancy which we got fancy kind of at a last minute so it took us quite a while to get her ready but we did it but didn't end up going
7: <laughs> which was a disappointment sometimes uh Parents and grandparents have uh, conflicts in their, their work schedules, so we were not able to get you there. But we're hoping this coming year, right? Yes. So what's your 4-H goal for this year?
0: My 4-H goal is to ride 100.
7: Okay. Have you picked out which 100 you're going to shoot for?
0: Um, hopefully the one New Year's. Okay. So um, Gre- Greenway Gallup, I think it's called.
7: So you're looking at that in January, December, actually. Yes. Very good. Are you ready?
0: Um. Mm- <laughs> <laughs> Physically, probably yes. <laughs> Mentally, maybe not a little.
7: <laughs> We're hoping for good weather in Florida on yes, that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your favorite memory of all your endurance rides?
0: Um, probably my first seventy-five was um, pretty great. Tell me about it. It was fun. It was. It went by pretty fast. But the first couple of loops was kind of tiring because I've never done it before and the last loop was in the dark which i would never done before and I had to lead the whole time which was pretty fun. But
7: I think that was very recently wasn't it?
0: Yes it was. Which ride was that? It was Blackwater Boogie.
7: Okay so last weekend. Yes. And <laughs> was good weather?
0: <laughs> Some of the days was. Um, I think that Thursday was like 27 degrees when we woke up that morning. Everything had frost on it. The water buckets were Covered with ice and everything, so, but as the day progressed, it got warmer, and the next day it was 37, which we thank God for, because <laughs> it was a lot warmer. Ten degrees makes a, you know.
7: Makes a big makes, warm difference. Yes,
0: it does, and after that, it, the weather pretty much, you know, set out to be good.
7: What place did you finish?
0: I finished seventh.
7: I think you tied for seventh?
0: I tied for seventh with my best friend, Jane Lee, and my grandma Kim Williams.
7: <laughs> Very good, and were you the first in youth? Junior? Mm-hmm. Junior rather. Um,
0: yes. I think I was the only one in there because my friend Kira had to drop out for food poisoning. Oh. And we were supposed to ride together, but that didn't end up happening. <laughs> so.
7: What would you say to other youth who might be listening to this podcast who have not ever done an endurance ride to encourage them to start? And, and how would you advise them?
0: I think it's great for people who don't really have anything else to do. Because it takes up a lot of your time, but it's really fun.
7: So it's kept you out of trouble.
0: Yes, it has. <laughs> yes. Um, a lot of the times, like instead of going to a friend's house, you know, that would get me in trouble. I would go ride a horse, and they'd get mad at me. But I'm like, well, it's way better than, you know. And it's really fun. Most people look at it as, oh, that's cruel to horses. But the horses have fun as well. Yes. And as long as you take care of yourself and the horse, then everything's fine. You-
7: Exactly, exactly. By the way, one thing we forgot to bring up is that you are an officer of our 4-H club. What's your position?
0: Um, Vice President.
7: Are you enjoying that? Yes. We are developing you into a natural leader, aren't we? Yes. (laughs) Let's see here. So we are talking with Aubrey who has done how many years, so five years of competition? Yes, ma'am. And do you see a limit uh, to your endurance? Oh,
0: absolutely not. <laughs>
7: you're going to keep going forever?
0: Yes. <laughs>
7: that is terrific. And Fancy is your main ride?
0: Most of the time. I ride the longer distances on her because she's more trained. like she's
7: More conditioned? She,
0: yes. And then there's Cruz who I do 25s on, and eventually we'll build both of them up to hundreds.
7: So you're working on building crews into a 100-mile horse? Yes, I am. That is excellent. What's the furthest you've traveled for an endurance ride?
0: Nine and a half hours. I don't know the exact mileage, but it was in Tennessee. It was the weekend of the Kentucky Derby, I think, and it was my first 50. And I took my little horse whisper with me. And we did 14th place, so we did pretty good for, you know, starting it.
7: So another great memory. Yes. How old were you when you did that?
0: Ten. 11 something like
7: that (laughs) something like that so you've had lots of great memories with your grandma too yes ma'am that is terrific and uh, we're very thankful for our 4-h club to have miss kim williams as our training uh, leader she she has taken a very active role in uh, guiding our youth so i'm going to wrap it up with uh, aubrey right now thank you so much for your time and talking with us we are going to give a monthly update and submission Next month, we'll introduce you to uh, another endurance rider who also has several miles under her, but at the same time, we're going to give you an update on Aubrey. So everybody out there in endurance podcast world, thank you so much for listening and getting to know our club members. Thank you, Aubrey, our vice president, and you have a good night.
6: She talks about them, dreams about them,
3: thinks about them all the time She's got to have them, be lost without him. You can see it in her
7: eyes What is it, what is it
6: She says, mm. now when I was a
3: young girl, they were my whole world, they were my one safe place.
1: Hey y'all, it's Chris again, and I hope you enjoyed that little bit of Templeton Thompson's song, Girls and Horses, since Courtney Kruger brought her up, that he sings her, her song while he's flying down the trail. I thought I would share her song with you. I first heard that at the Midwest Horse Fair, and I believe I cried a little bit when I heard that song because I had never heard one that kind of hit that spot. She goes on and talks in that song. She used to cry on their shoulder. Well, I sure did when I was a kid. The horses were my one safe place, absolutely 100%, and um, they still are. So I look forward to 2019. The conditioning, the journey, you know, to, to even get to a ride, like my good friend Tara even said, that's, that's an accomplishment within itself. And uh, with my horse, my saddle, my truck and everything in, in one spot.